Welcome to So Far So Rare. I'm joined by Professor Techers this week, and we've loads to talk about. Um, as always, I recorded... Do you know, they always do things on Thursdays and Fridays. I recorded last week's episode on a Wednesday, and then Thursday, whatever the, the product roadmap update vibe came out. I did a video on this channel on YouTube about it. Podcast listeners might have seen that. So we have a bit of that to talk about, but it's been done to death as well, so we're not going to like linger on every little aspect of it. And we've kind of made a little off-air pact where we're, we're not going to delve into fitness and bore the tits off everyone because they've all heard it <laughs> for the last week relentlessly. They've all heard it, and we also don't actually know what it is yet. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's ask, save the chat until we know how it works. I'll ask you one thing on it, though. Do you think mm. the reaction has been proportionate to the announcement? I know this is probably going to lead us delving into it. So really, on the face of it, like I don't want to delve into it, right? That's the pact. Yeah. But I want to know, like... Do you think it's a much smaller part of the game that people are overreacting to, or do you think it's a very valid thing for people to go crazy about because it kind of, it's like the wider sentiment or wider statement from so rare maybe? Honestly, I, I've stayed at a general Discord, so I haven't seen much of the sentiment <laughs> on it. Um, I think people generally honestly, just hate the fact that it's another complicating factor, like another yeah, thing I, that's complicated. Yeah, I think the... I'm just going to reserve judgment until we actually see how it works. I think, you know, I speak from the position of being a hyper-engaged user, so I will adapt to it. I will, you know, play the game that's in front of me. Um, you know, I did wonder, like, you know, one question I had was, why is the fitness bonus 10% and the collection bonus 5%? as an example, particularly how hard it is to get to the higher percentages on collections, you know, yeah. uh, get up. I tried to do it with FC soul and I got to like 4% and I said, like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going, yeah. I don't need to get to five because I'm then going to need to buy like, you know, 20 more players to get there. Um, so I do like have questions around that because yes, it's something new, but is it worth me focusing on collections anymore? Probably not. Like, you know, if if I need to buy 20 players to get up to 5% and I can just buy a fitness package to keep yeah. my player at 10% bonus every week, then we're just going to buy the fitness thing. So then it's like, yes, it's a revenue stream, but does it cannibalize an existing revenue stream? Because, you know, when they introduced the collection bonuses, you wanted to go out there and get your Red X players, you get the random backups so that you could boost your top players. Um you know, I question will that, uh, you know, will we have the same approach when we know the details of the fitness bonus? But honestly, like to just yeah, draw a line under it, like it's very difficult to, you know, react in any way until we know how it works. Like, I don't know how, you know, how long you're going to have to rest players for to get them back up. I don't know how quickly it degrades. Like, you know, yeah. it's cool to have additional aspects to think about from a strategy perspective, but, you know, it, it did feel like, you know, if, if people are getting upset about it, like we don't actually know what there is to get upset about yet, other than the concept of a new bonus. So yeah. I think, yeah, I just honestly, like I'm going to put a pin in it. Oh, we'll keep, you know, waiting for the next update. Once we know what it is, how it works, then take it from there, really. I think um, that point on graphing your bollocks off for the collection bonus versus a 10% fitness bonus been pulled out of the arsehole of nowhere it's it is quite pertinent you know that's the bit that kind of confuses me the most about it all and it does depend on how quickly it degrades how much of the power-ups to get your fitness back you know how much of a big deal is it going to be because for me to get to two percent bonus on my liverpool players which is for me realistically allison trent and van dyke i care about you know we adrian that i had from buying a liverpool pack years ago and this gives me a few points. I bought like a Tiago Alcantara for cheap enough because I thought I might get some utility. Curtis Jones and Diogo Jota, right? I'm at 100 points. For me to get one more percent is 150 points, right? Unless they're special edition or jersey mint or one-offs, I'm going to have to buy like, well, seven and a half more players. Do you know what I mean? Whenever mm -hmm. I keep them for 90 days and get the extra 10. So The mad grind. It's a mad grind. And when I go and look at 
in terms of floors right now, to try and find seven players, okay, Joe Gomez, there's 50 quid. Simicus, another 50 quid. 80 quid on Nathaniel Phillips. 50 quid on Maddup. 100 quid on Ben Davies. 80 quid on Oxlade-Chamberlain. Okay, 27 for Milner. Fabinho and Henderson will go cheap at the minute too. But my point is, like, do I go and spunk another 400 quid on this? Probably not, because no. surely the fitness bonuses are going to be like relatively cheaper than that, and you're probably going to get a higher boost. Like 10%. Yeah. Like a People, percent there There would is, be a rightful... I was going to say, there'd be a rightful meltdown if fitness bonuses are more than 400 quid. So you know I, mean? like, I think, like, and I know you that's think about it from- versus the power ups for fitness will be like probably every week, every month or whatever. But like, you get my point when there's 10%. It depends on how quickly that degrades and how quickly your physio center can, can refill that fitness because it does very quickly make outside the first 1%, maybe 2% of, of collection bonuses, it makes the rest kind of not worth the grind at all i would have been tempted no. before now i'm kind of like nah i need to wait and see how this fitness thing shakes out so it's a very yeah, delicate absolutely. balance yeah i think it is and I, I think like the thing is i think the core principle of the game remains the same is that you're gonna need the highest scoring players like mm. you know it's all right saying oh do i get seven percent or do i get five percent or do i get 10 or 12 or this or that or whatever it is but the truth of the matter is that's the percentage on the base score so you know would you rather have Messi with a 5% bonus smacking 100s for fun in MLS or would you rather have, I don't know, Ivan Tony with a 15% bonus, you know, occasionally getting a penalty for Brentford in the Premier League? Like, yeah. you know, I think that we've got fixated a bit on the bonuses, but it, it's, you know, it's still the base score that's that's going to matter most. So I think I'm just going to continue focusing on getting players that I think can score well mm. and will then adapt as as things change but yeah i think like to get like you know to without getting too into the weeds of it like we don't really know how it works so like if you know i saw someone i think on twitter was like oh you know do i sell on so rare and you know go to another platform and i'm like well if if you're making a decision to sell based on a half an update then you know you've maybe jumped the gun and yeah just wait and see how it plays out to be honest in terms of the announcement, there's one one of the talking points we're going to go for is from it, and it was actually a question from FabMizDotty, so thanks for the question on Twitter. What's the best strategy for eight game week long competition? Um, so for the longer form competition, which they've announced there for the All-Star, it's eight weeks long. You're the man to ask with your, your long form so rare competition history. One shot, wasn't it? Not what they called it. I always forget. Mm. One shot, you yeah. won that. How long did it go it for again? I think that was eight weeks as well. Weeks. It was, yeah. So I'm going to give my dummies version that I imagine based off not thinking about it too much at all other than right mm. now. I imagine there it will drive a little more picking teams that have good fixtures upcoming and, you know, locking in players ahead of runs of good form. Or not ahead mm. of good fixtures, which will lead to form, which will lead to scores. But yeah. again, it's different because this is like, We've, we've done the whole like global cup and we've, you've done the one shot and the longer term free competition longer term paid mm. on so rare in terms of liquidity if it's an eight week block followed by an eight week block mm. it's different than if eight week blocks start every week every two weeks do you know what I'm saying mm. I don't know if that yeah. you get what I mean like it, it'll depend on how it's done because it'll massively value teams which have six good fixtures coming up within that eight week block whereas if the eight week block but it's only staggered, four it's... right if i'm correct it takes you four, four best weeks? scores oh, so it's a month oh no four best scores. no no so it runs over eight weeks but eight they weeks only take your four best scores hang on it would be we eight... need to check this it would be eight weeks, not uh... eight weeks right it would be so long form leaderboard run across eight game weeks. For the first long form leaderboard, your top four scores only will accumulate towards your final leaderboard score. So you don't need eight good fixtures. You need four smasher. You need weeks. European players. Because if it's eight game weeks, yes. it'll include midweeks. And if it's all star. You're going to want guys who are going weekend, midweek, weekend, midweek to try and get the most scores to pick your best four from. Unless you, you know, particularly, you know, with fixture congestion, there might be rotation. 
So like, for example, Dynamo yeah. Zagreb, you know, they, you know, fairly contentious this week, considering the coverage was added with like 33 seconds before the deadline. <laughs> um, but, you know, Dynamo Zagreb went out and smacked four or five nil last night. Can't remember the exact score, but they were just absolute crushes. I know that the Risovsky, the player that I didn't put in because they were said to uncovered when I checked, uh, he scored a hundred. Uh, Sutolo scored like 80. Like, so, um, but now the manager's come out and said he's going to rotate this weekend against Istra. And Istra in the league is like one of the smasher spots. So I think this is where the the four weeks comes into it or the four best scores is because it doesn't penalize you for not having those midweeks. Mm. You know, say for example, I don't know, Bournemouth, right? Bournemouth this season, you know, should improve under their new manager. If Bournemouth play Luton during that eight week block, you know, you know, Bournemouth are going to put out the strongest lineup because they're not in Europe. Like, you know, they, 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 I think it's interesting. Like you, you have fewer bites of the, uh, fewer goes at it if you only focus on weekends. But feasibly, if you know you can put out a super strong team for four weekends during that eight game week block, then you could be in with a chance, but it leaves you with very little margin for error, right? Because say, you know, you're going to need to keep clean sheets. Like, let's be honest, that like you're not winning this unless you have you know four lots of clean sheets right you're going to probably have to go four scores realistically you probably have to go like on a rare division limited division you're going to have to go four scores over 400 at a minimum yeah probably more in limited like you're really really going to need to lean into that fixtures and i think this is i think it's it 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 rewards gallery depth it really does because i don't think i don't think anyone's going to win this playing the same team for eight consecutive game yeah. weeks like you really are going to have to you know go with what is the strongest team that i have available and really play the fixtures so i think a lot of that honestly like i think a lot of the updates that Sora have made recently has been encouraging gallery depth it's been encouraging you to keep hold of players it's been encouraging you to you know fit the fitness plays into this as well right like they want you to have more cards mm. and i think in this tournament lays into that as well i don't think you can go into this with an expectation that you're going to get anywhere near the prizes with only five cards what i think will be really interesting is how it impacts kind of overall tournament like distribution of entries you know like where people are putting their best cards and stuff and that'll be very much dictated on because i mean weekly they're basically saying they're going to take about the kind of they're basically going to take some rewards out of the shorter form prize pools yeah yeah. The long form competition will reward fewer rewards than the short format, but top performers will be rewarded with epic prizes. Does it say is anything coming out of the shorter form? Basically, is where are these rewards coming from? Did it say that, or am I? Are they just finding them? I had the impression that they would were coming come out of the, the short form. But I don't know if they actually specifically say that. I think we might have just assumed it. We might have assumed it. Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's pretend that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you're going to be left with a decision now. If you and it will all be dictated by how epic those prizes truly are. If those yeah, prizes are, and don't get me wrong, VIP tip tickets are pretty epic. But if you live in America, VIP tickets to AC Milan aren't that epic, in my opinion. If you are a Man United supporter, Liverpool VIP tickets, as incredible as that experience is, are probably not that epic to you. Um, so depending on what how epic they are, monetary-wise, like how big will the ETH prize be for who wins mm-hmm. over eight weeks? If you're talking yeah. thousands, if you're talking whatever, like it's like, okay. If you're mm-hmm. talking premium, like, sign like a messy signed jersey type stuff like premium premium memorabilia if you're talking star cards star super rares whatever it happens to be tier one uniques tier two uniques whatever it is um you get my point i just think like if they're proper 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 big rewards everyone's going on all-star with their best team but like well, if think, they're like oh they're the pretty ETH good prizes yeah maybe people will just think oh everyone will go there i'm gonna just take champ on under 23 down yeah, yeah, and I think this is where like it, it adds the element of strategy of what you want to do. I think, you know, we have seen that the quality of rewards in All Star has been better than the regions 
for a while anyway, particularly as you have the extra ETH on there. So I think, you know, you'll still have the people that wanted to prioritize global will prioritize. Will this make more people prioritize it? Again, it comes back to those prizes, but, you know, unless everyone goes and buys extra cards, prioritizing global is going to lead to softer competition elsewhere. So I think that there will definitely will be an opportunity, you know, do people, um, you know, maybe take cards out of champion, for example, and run them in all-star. I think it will be interesting to see, but yeah, I think we said like every, every action that the other managers take leads to a reaction and it leads to an opportunity. Um, I think there's massive opportunity in under 23 this year anyway, because most of the complete smashes have absolutely have graduated. So, you know, you don't have Trent and they don't have Mbappe in there. You know, there's a bunch of cards that were like guaranteed smashes every single week in under 23s last year that are not anymore. So I already think there's a great opportunity in under 23. Um, you know, anyone that, you know, had Trent's or had Mbappe's, they were running in under 23 last year, probably going to now go, okay, cool, they're going in All-Star. You know, yeah. might, they might go in champion depending on the prizes, but I think what we have seen is so rare taking more and more prizes away from the regions and putting them into all-star and capped. Mm. Um, you know, it, I, I made a decision recently to, you know, sell a bunch of my America cards because the, you know, the America prize pools have just been, you know, diminishing in quality as the season goes on. And I was like, you know, do I really want to fight for a T1 or a T2 worth 0.05 ETH or do I mm. you know, take that money out and, you know, really prepare for for Europe, which is what I did. So, I think, yeah, the, the the challenge is like balance, right? Because you want enough desire, like you know, there needs to be enough desirable rewards in the region to give people a, a thought process, right? You need to make a decision. Mm. If global is just by far and away the best tournament, then people might go, you know what, actually, I don't need a third goalkeeper to run a division. You know, I don't I don't want to play challenger, so I'm just going to sell that goalie and buy a couple of more star outfielders that I can run in all-star because that's where the prizes are. So I think, like, there's a balance to be struck here in the sense that, yes, it's good, but what what are the decisions people make in order to strengthen that team? Because not everyone can just put more money in, right? Which is the... You know, which is what they want us to do would love us to, would love <laughs> us to do absolutely but um yeah i think it really comes down to those prizes i think i i tend to prioritize all-star anyway um so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing it particularly when it's like you know i assume that it's every division so i assume we'll have like a long format limited a long format rare long format rare pro super rare they make it like academy and mix all the scarcities that'll probably piss a few people off but let's let's wait and see what happens because um yeah as i understand it like global all-star competitions so it should be the ones that they have already and you can you know just pick the players that you know have the best fixtures let's talk about the new kickoff game mode not to be confused with the current kickoff competition they love this term kickoff um so this is basically going to be a new game mode, which is quick social mobile first. So it'll be on the app only initially, isn't it? Um, and this is the scenario they give. At the bar with you. I'm going to read this like an ad guy. At the bar with your friend. No, I'm not. At the bar with your friends <laughs> to watch your favorite derby. All of you can open up the so rare app, select your five card derby lineup of players and prove once and for all who knows football best. Newsflash, it will always be you, the so rare OG. I love that. Um, so yeah, it went this, off the rails there. We copied. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, before we get into the clanny bit and whatever else, and promotion relegations and head heads and whatever, because it could be anything at this stage. Ultimately, I do think it's a good idea to streamline every. Like, if if you tell me where so rare is now, and what it has been for the last two years, and you tell me within the near future, there's a legit possibility I could be sat with my friend in the bar and it's simple as me saying, Dermy, download that app, sign up, put in your credit card details, you can deposit some money and you can play. Now, even take out the deposit and then credit card, download that app, scan this QR code, 
pick a, pick some players. It'll take three minutes. Boys, all jump in, do this, and we're all watching the game, and we all have our little live leaderboard jumping up and down depending on what's on the pitch. That's phenomenal. And, like, how accessible that is compared to what Sora is now and has been. And, like, the depositing thing with the Fiat wallet, if that comes in and it's a piece of piss and works, like, just seamless, like, other sites or gambling sites or buying clothes, whatever it is, you know, like, if you can just get someone in the pub to go give us a crack and they like it and they want to stick a tenner in, they can do that in five minutes, that'll change the game entirely. Mm-hmm. But it will change the game entirely. Now, whether that's a good thing, bad thing for existing users that have been here for long, it depends on what way it's done. But, like, in terms of getting people onto so rare and getting them through the door, like, that's just game-changing. But, again, this is kind of like the the fitness thing and all. We really don't know what exactly it's going to look like. No, and I was just looking at it now. Because I, when I first read it, I thought it was, like, a common-only thing. Like, well, I thought it, it was onboarding. Scarcities. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I just read that then. I was like, so is it like a re- redoing of the academy? Because I know that they said that you're going to get your, they're removing training lineups and that you'll get a refund if you bought an extra training slot. So then I'm like, okay, so is academy going and being replaced by kickoff? Is it not been replaced by training facilities in your, your, Fake yeah, but I'm talking about as like a way to enter, right? Because Academy, there's ETH prizes on Academy at the moment. And you can enter Academy lineups and it's like any scarcity you want, right? So like, I think like the other week I only had like two super rares playing. So I stuck right in a there. team with like two super rares and a rare and I won a fiver. I um, bought loads of legends so I could play there. Yeah. And they're getting rid of those. So is, that, is that going? What, what They said that they're refunding you for your training slots. So I'm like, is Academy Bastards. going? This is one of the questions I have around this. But then kickoff, when it says all scarcities. Well, you see, what I, they, what I think they, they need to make happen, because realistically, I think their best marketing tool, aside from spending billions, is me or you in the pub with our mates or any other software user mm. and the ability for me to compete with my friends. Now, yeah. Will I want to use my super duper cards? Ugh. Like, will I be able to want to whip out my actual lineup, but not mean I can't enter it elsewhere? You know, almost like they let you use your. Well, I think you won't be cards. able to, right? You won't be able to enter your long form, like your sort of weak competitions and kick off with the same card. But what if they're separate? Surely like, not. What if there's no prizes? I think this kickoff mode is going to be more of a social thing. Like, okay, I'll put it to you this way. Why would you put why would you put the cards you paid for in there if you can't win it? Because anything? you wouldn't because like what I see, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't get this. Because <laughs> why wouldn't I just use commons like the other people? God knows what it's gonna be. Well, this right? is the point. What I want to see is I wanna see I want people who are at different levels to be able to compete with each other. But there is a sense of inherent ownership. Like I want to use my trend to beat you. I don't want my 15% yeah. bonus when you've got a 2% bonus because that's just going to take the fun out of it. But I want to use my cards mm. to beat you. But if you're a new signer who's just signed up, will you... Do you sign up and play a specific game? Like they keep mentioning the Derby where you have to pick players from that game. My yeah. point is, I want to be able to use but my then you players can't use them in your other lineups, right? to flex. Yeah. But because yeah. you want people who have been here for a long time to be able to compete with their friends, because that's, as I say, the biggest marketing thing when any of us who are users in the pub, we're the people who are going to be mm-hmm. like, here, give us a crack. But why would we bother playing this new free kind of kickoff mode if there aren't prizes with we our wouldn't. paid cards? So what yeah. I'm thinking is it has to be like a separate thing where like, you know, once your lineups are locked for the game week, it's not like you're winning you anything with these. This is like another fun little free to play game. Like you can use your whatever cards you want in here to compete with your friends with no bonuses or something and then like what will happen there inevitably is kind of like because they aren't gambling and no one's losing anything you and your boys will be sitting around the table or your gals and you'll say 10 or ahead gang and then whoever wins at the end of the match you're watching will take it bottom line here is i haven't a fucking clue what they're gonna do <laughs> No, it's, like, it's like a fitness. It's like we've got a thing, but what's the thing? We're not sure. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see. But put, put a pin in this one as well, John. Put me yeah. back in for another eight to twelve weeks, and we might. Have <laughs> more things to hypothesize about that we don't have a clue about. Daily leaderboards with promotion and relegation, a clan feature, empowering groups of friends to play against groups of friends, and a head-to-head format. This will be an immediate entry point for Sura managers with natural loops to the existing core game. So, they're going to get a little bit more creative. I like that. 
a bit of fun, different ways to play. I love it all. But I just am, I'm very curious as to how that's going to tie into us and our cards, the core game. Well, why don't you use your Trent there and not in All-Star Rare Pro? Because then that'll make All-Star Rare Pro a little bit easier for me. And you can just, you know, piss around yeah. with the mates in the pub while you I go and beat my friends because those bragging rights are so valuable. They, they pay the bills. You know? I'll take a Star Rare and you can have bragging rights at the pub. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Um, right. Last thing we were going to talk about very quickly is kind of big restructures and the strategy behind it. Now, I'm aware that sometimes people don't really care about hearing about other people's specific galleries, but it's more about the overall arch and strategy. You've made some big moves. I have. I have. You seem I, um, to be going balls deep on stacking. I've always loved stacking. I've you're doing, loved you're stacking. doing it at another level now. Maybe, maybe you're I not, am. but it looks that way. I am. I am. So I... I think it's one of the, the biggest mistakes I ever made on So Rare was when I won the Unique, I felt the need to use it. And I, at that time, was only playing on Rare level. And I was like, oh, look, I've got a Unique. I should try and use that. And then I mm. bought some crappy Super Rares to go around it. And it never really worked out. But I've always aspired to play at the highest level that I feel that I can do with with my bankroll. And, you know, I've sort of had eyes on Division 2 because the prizes have gradually got better. Um, you know, there's also more liquidity for the low-end Super Rares now because people want to use them in the capped competitions. And I started looking at it and saying, okay, well, if I want to get there how do I get there? Because, you know, I sold the unique I won quite a long time ago. I, you know, I refocused back in at, at All-Star and Rare and Rare Pro and sort of said, look, I need to play at the level that I can afford to do so. Um, but I always sort of, you know, had the ambition to go back there if I could. And what I focused on was changes in the gameplay because never before have we had Premier League teams getting relegated to the championship. Mm. Um, and a lot of the focus of my strategy was around taking or seizing an opportunity to buy players that I think will perform significantly better next year. And I've built a championship stack. Um, you know, I've basically built myself a D2 championship team with players that are, he'd either been relegated or have transferred to a team in the division below you know i bought carl darley for example last week newcastle backup he was on loan at hull last year didn't have a card he's come back to newcastle so rare i've minted him boom cool grab the, the only super rare because he's about to join Leeds. Mm. you know i've got a really really nice differential there and strong correlation you know what i want to try and do is you know i don't have the best players on the game so I'm not going to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the likes of, you know, Franksy or YNWA or Nanzo. Like, people are already established at that level. I don't have the budget to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them in a weekend when everyone's playing. But in a midweek where, you know, Leeds are playing Rotherham and Man City are playing Real Madrid, then I think there is an opportunity to target very specific weeks and be competitive at particular times of the season. Mm. So that was the strategy around championship. All in all, the team that I've built has cost about two ETH. So it's not, you know, it's not been a mega, mega outlay. And I've I've done that through, you know, generating player sales. I've sold off rewards. I sold off a couple of the super rares I was using in cap competitions and said, you know what, I, I want to play at D2. I want to give it a good crap. And I think that a championship squad is going to be, you know, sort of my best way of doing that. Um, I'm going to be following the the league a lot closer next year because my beloved Plymouth Argyle have managed to get back up to that level, and I just felt, you know, I, for a long time on so rare, I've I've um, just gone with the data, and you know, I've picked K League players because they perform very well for the amount of money that I can spend on them, but I only want to watch some more football that I enjoy. And mm. while still, you know, trying to find that edge, trying to get undervalued players, um, you know, but 
you know, coverage. I don't have to search around for random streams like, you know, championship I can get on on um, iFollow. You know, I can watch my teams. I can, I can, you know, try and be ahead of the curve in the championship and take advantage of the, you know, Premier League licensing to get players that are dropping down. So that's that's what I've done. That's been my focus. And yeah, I'm really heavily into Leicester and Leeds. So I've got Darlow, I've got Nat Phillips, who hopefully will join Leeds this week. So I've got a nice little stack there. I've then got um, a couple of guys from Leicester. And yeah, hopefully just, you know, really try to correlate so that when they hit, they hit in the same weeks. I'm just really jealous, to be honest, because I just spunked two eighth on of Kimmich and now you've bought a full team for all-star super rare that could legitimately go and win things and I'm like this guy's playing on a different IQ level than me <laughs> I'm just because I did almost the op not the opposite but I did something different recently and people are probably sick of hearing it because I've talked about it a bit on last week's pod and I'd put a video out so I won't dwell on me but like I realized I just wasn't winning enough I've had a look at one win six second places and four third places or something and god knows how many top tens but just not getting over the line and I was like, right, I need to just go quality. Like, I've got guys who are good enough to win me things, but I'm ending up sticking in a shitter with them. So I'm just getting there, but not quite there. Like, I'm I'm having the trend. Like, last season, it might have been, like, Courtois and Rudiger, along with someone in midfield who could do pretty well and a couple of forwards that do all right, whatever. Like, Vinicius Jr. and Tony Cruz might be there and someone else. And ultimately, Rudiger shoots a 42, and I'm... Um, 28 points off winning and I've came third or something you know there's examples like that so I was like fuck this I'm going Kimmich I'm, and I've made a bid on Harry Kane we'll see how that goes it might be outbid but um, I've just kind of went like I'm not using these uniques I've won nothing with the uniques all year I thought like Andre was scoring well um, but I can't utilise him I thought Dorsch was a good pick I actually think Dorsch will come back and do alright to see if he can shake injury he's had three bad injuries in a row since I bought him he's done nothing I actually think he's a decent SO5 pick historically I think he could do alright but I just won't be able to utilise him even if he is. So ship them out for like just over two ETH. Probably should have bought a big super rare team like you did, but just went, I'm buying Kimmich. Sold another bit of crap. I'm buying Kane. And I got Allison like last month. Traded out like All Black and hmm, Binder or something. So like two goalkeepers that I wasn't really using or who didn't really score as well for a goalkeeper that I have correlation with would help me with a collection bonus. Um, and who just thinks all around better. So I've been rejigging a bit, but I'm almost going the other way. I'm not striving to be at the top. I'm striving to actually win things where I am because I've got so many nice cards. I've got so many really nice cards, but yeah. I'm just missing like one or two weeks. Even last season, it was just laziness. This is maybe, maybe you disagree, but like I had Di Lorenzo. Mario Rui was scoring amazing for a bit, albeit rotated, but whatever. But I had like Di Lorenzo. Why didn't I buy Mary all season? I stuck with All Black. It was laziness. Do you know, just for that bit of extra correlation to hit those better scores, kind of like what you're doing with the stacks. It's like, yeah. I'm trying to actually just get my stacks in order. Even like Real Madrid. I've got Courtois, I've got Cruz, I've got Vinny. I've got mm. um, Bellingham now. I feel I've Danny Ceballos. There might be a bit of rotation stuff, which is going to annoy me through the season, and I know that. But why haven't I got the best defender they've got? I think it's Eder Militao. I don't know if he's mm. premium enough, really, to run. But like, again... I just need to fill that hole. Peaks, Otherwise, he's more like. Yeah, but I'm wondering, am I better just running Courtois, Trent, the rest of Madrid, if I have to? Mm. But then it's like, yeah. but what if Liverpool don't have the game midweek, but Real Madrid do? Or anyway, I don't know. Just I'm trying to go through a wee mm. bit of a restructure myself, but I'm kind of not wanting to make moves until I really know where people are going to land. But I am selling the shite regardless, and inevitably one of them is going to go from being crap on a champ team to be in the new Ajax guy or something and I'll be like why did I sell him two weeks ago but yeah it's the nature of the beast yeah I think that's the that's the difficulty like I've made a couple of bets like you know where I saw the opportunity this year for me in my gallery is in under 23s because of the high turnover graduation like you've got to keep on you know under 23 you've got to keep on curating your side you know, you, you maybe get 12 months out of it if you're lucky, but you've got to constantly refresh it. I think with the amount of top quality under 23s that are no longer eligible for that division, I felt mm. that there was a real opportunity for me there. And I lent into Southampton. So, you know, I said, you know what, actually, I bought Bazunu when he wasn't number one. I was like, I'm betting on Bazunu being the starting goalkeeper for Southampton next season in the championship. They've got like 
four or five midweeks before Christmas. Mm. I'm that that geek that maps out every single team's fixture for like the whole year and sees where like there's overlap and starts building composite stacks around that. So I've started building um, a hybrid Southampton and AZ Alkmaar team because they've got really high fixture correlation. Uh, AZ Alkmaar have got some very promising midfielders and young forwards. They don't have an under-23 goalkeeper, Southampton do. Um, you know, so I saw that as the opportunity. You know, I said I like playing under twenty threes. I, you know, I really dive into the data. I try and find players before they're on the radar of you know ninety percent of the the rest of the community, mm. and it kind of fits in with my wanting to play the championship as well. You know, I, I aspire to be more involved in championship football next season, and with that, I was looking more and more at second division Europe, and I was like, not many people played second division Europe last year mm. it sort of came in people maybe threw a lineup in if they had it but i don't think anyone was really targeting it like don't get me wrong prizes are not as good right straight up prizes are not as good but i was like okay is there an opportunity for me to build a core of a side that i can flex between second division europe d2 and all-star d2 in the weeks where I feel I might have an opportunity in All-Star. Mm. So my stats will predominantly be run in second division Europe, and I will try and win the best prizes that they have to offer in that division, albeit, you know, they are not the best prizes on the game. But, you know, because I've invested about two ETH, I can win less and, and get a good ROI on that. Mm. And then, you know, maybe there's these midweeks where, you know, Leeds and Leicester both have absolute smash of fixtures and everyone else is involved in that Champions League quarterfinals. Like that'll be the week where I'll be like, okay, brilliant. Like this week that team goes into All-Star. Mm. And I'll sort of flex it between the two based on, you know, fixture strength and you know what I expect other managers to be able to play in that given week. Um and that's sort of where I've sort of seen the opportunities and I've really lent into that. You know, I still have you know, I've, I've got a couple of decent MLS sides that have been, you know, MLS Argentina that have been sort of, you know, winning prizes that have allowed me to sell and reinvest. But for me, I think it was about, you know, I've had a similar challenge. You know, I win frequently, but I don't, you know, those sort of podiums are mm. often fairly elusive. Like, you know, I'll finish in the top, you know, 50 regularly, but rarely the top five. And a part of this was like, how can I... How can I get there? You know, and I think under 23, I have a legit option. The super rare division is more about, you know, what can I win to be able to then sell and, and fund and, and build strength on the other sides? And how can I do that affordably? And, you know, what do I expect my return on investment to be based on the spend that day? You know, I priced up a super rare teams a couple of times before, and I was just like, you know, I can't justify four or five ETH on a on a super red team because of how much I need to weaken my other lineups to get there. Yeah. But when I priced up this one and I was like, if I can get a team that I'm happy to like I feel could be competitive for like under three ETH, then then I'll sort of go for it. And this is sort of what I've done. And you know, don't get me wrong, I had to take a bit of a risk. Like there was a when I bought Darlow, he was linked to Leeds and Bournemouth. Mm. And that kept the price down at auction. Because people were like, oh, well, you know, he could go and be back up at Bournemouth. But I stalked Twitter for quite a while and saw that um, there'd been comments about him wanting to stay in the Northeast because of the proximity to his young family. Mm. And I was like, and the last loan he took, he chose Hull when he had other, you know, potentially better teams in the championship that wanted him. He chose to pick a team, a team in the Northeast. So I was like, I'm making an educated guess that Darlow is going to opt for Leeds over Bournemouth based on proximity, proximity to his family. And, you know, I got the super rare for like 0.5 ETH, I think, which, you know, was not, you know, a small amount of money for a goalkeeper that could have become the backup at Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I've already had a couple of offers for, you know, getting on double that since Fabio Romano tweeted Godalo to Leeds. So I think sometimes it's about finding that balance and, you know, what is your appetite for risk? Because it could very quickly go the other way, right? You could get a player that suddenly gets a, a trash transfer. Um, you know, I got burnt on that before. Like I bought Junior Ito, you know, Junior Ito was staying at Gank, staying at Gank, staying at Gank. Suddenly, oh, he's gone to Reims in France. And I'm like, ah, oh, 
oh. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, the, the transfer window, and obviously everyone's feeling the pain with the Saudi moves this summer, the, the transfer window can be so, so difficult. And I think it comes down to your your tolerance for risk and how much research you can do to inform yourself about that possible risk. So for me, Darlow, massive risk of him going to Bournemouth. If you just kind of top line read the tweets and news articles, if you dug that layer deeper, I'm like, okay, I'm now a bit more confident that he's going to pick Leeds over Bournemouth. I now feel happy to make that investment. But I think I've made my big moves now. Um, I think I now need to just sort of settle and let the transfer, you know, the the, the deadline pass before yeah. I make any other big ones because I have I have sort of gone out on a limb and, and made a few um risky purchases which i i do hope um you know come through for me but i think yeah not everyone's in that sort of position to be able to do that either financially or risk tolerance side so i think it it comes down to how do you want to play the game where do you see your opportunities to win the most that that you can win um and i think yeah second division europe i find fascinating because you can get some players there that score very well and are not expensive and play a lot of games exactly get a lot of utility out of them yeah championship players have always been a wee bit cheek over the last few years whenever people get a random championship goalkeeper i'm always raging who was the guy mm-hmm. what was his name doesn't matter i'm not going to find it i'm not going to throw out wrong names but i just remember there was people having like random championship goalkeepers midweek and i was always oh it was the guy that played for blackburn wasn't it because was he had like cards when he was in belgium Kaminsky am I making that up Kaminsky yeah Thomas Kaminsky that's it he had cards from when he was in Belgium everyone had him and it used to fry me I just needed a goalkeeper every midweek and people had them and then they just run them every week but the fact you're correlating there as well and stacking I think you're just going to cream it but we'll move on we have a few other uh, things to do we have the story of the week we have pump permission so rare R&D, listeners' questions, the cap up, which is with loads to do. But first, so rare data bring this podcast to you. Sign up to so rare data using the link below or code John Nellis to get two weeks free at their top tier and try out every feature during before the season starts or as the season starts. Um, I use it every day for so rare. I couldn't research any players or set lineups without it, to be quite honest. Um, so yeah, go and try so rare data, and you can also just sign up for free if you don't want to pay. Um, story of the week, right? Let's break up this heavy chat for a second. Now, this this story is a wee bit weird, but it just kind of got me thinking. So, don't know what it's like where you are, but when you're driving down a motorway, I used to do a lot of miles from Cork up to the north um, of Ireland, and I'd be on the motorway a long time. I always noticed like lorry drivers flashing, and I was they were flashing each other. So they ones on one side of the motorway, ones on the other. They always flash each other. So we like, oh hello, or oh look at you working, look at you, and there was like. Oh. So I was like, oh, I, but it always made me initially before a clock, they always did it at other lorries. Like the first year or two driving, I was just like, oh, are they telling us police are ahead? You know, they are like, the we flash, like slow down, there's a speed camera vibe. So I never really knew. But anyway, I was driving out a country shitty road recently. And now it's not often on a strip of 100 metres of road, you'd get more than one tractor. But there was three tractors. I was behind two. The worst scenario ever on a country road, because you might get past one, you're not getting past two tractors. And there was one coming the other way. And I watched really intensely to see, like, oh, I wonder if there's a little bit of tractor-on-tractor, farmer-on-farmer courtesy, kind of like you get with the lorry guys. And the guy on the other side of the road didn't wave, didn't flash, didn't even acknowledge his peers, his other farmers. And this led me down, I'd obviously another 20, 25-minute drive ahead of me, it led me down a rabbit hole. And I was thinking about how, you know, maybe I've just encountered some grade-A farmer drama. You know, maybe someone shagged someone's wife around the back of the hay bales. Maybe someone marked a sheep red when it was actually the other guy's sheep. Maybe someone maybe took a little bit of land or took down a fence or it could have been anything, really. Um, could have sold him a dodgy tractor, you know. It could, have, it could have been anything. But I asked my farmer friend and I was like, look, am I overthinking this? Or do you think there's like, would you normally give a wee wave? And he said, oh, if you pass a tractor, you always like if you're feeling lazy, the least you do is flick up a wee finger over the steering wheel. Oh, you like, how's you, how are you getting on? And then I kind of went the other way. I was thinking, like, maybe they're actually such good friends and they've had fields next door to each other for, like, decades, generations. Maybe it's, like, silent coordination at this point. Maybe there's just this mutual respect and they don't need to wave seven times a day at each other. Maybe they just know. Maybe they just know there's a mutual respect and friendship. So, all in all, I just had a very long drive thinking about farmers and I want anyone who is a farmer or who knows a farmer listening to let me know if you were in a tractor and drove past another tractor, would you wave? Because 
I just thought it was, I thought it was more drama than all violence. Another story, by the way, speaking of country, I was in a pub two weeks ago on my time off. I should have done this as the story of the week last week. We were in a pub, Mackins in Newcastle County Down. It was on a Friday night and there was a trad session on. So like a bunch of guys around playing, we, we buy around on the corner and guitar here and a didgeridoo there and a banjo here and whatever. Five or six of them around. But there was no one in apart from me and my dad. We were riding the high stool, a couple of pints of, of Guinness, please. Behind us, a guy's singing a song, right? Beautiful on the guitar. And all of a sudden, he kind of stops and he goes, oh no, I, just, I thought I'd try it, I thought I'd try it, but uh, no, I, I, I won't do that one again, right? Silence. You could hear a pin drop. He takes his guitar and walks upstairs where they all store their like guitar like cases and shit, right? And another guy comes over out of the bathroom and comes and sits down in his seat and starts playing some flute. But before he starts playing this clarinet or flute or whatever it was, this woodwind instrument, he says, that was absolutely pathetic. Just embarrassing. That's what he said about the other guy who just went upstairs. Then one of the other guys at the table sets down his instrument and stands up and says, I've had enough of this. A lot more explanation than that. Let's have a fight. I swear to God, let's have a fight. Me and you outside. I'm sick of this shit. Let's fucking go. And the man was like, no need to get like that. No need to get like that. You know, I'm just saying, you know, you should come here rehearsing with things rehearsed. You know, this isn't a place for that. It's absolutely a fucking place for that. It's a session. It's a trad session. Anyway, like the two boys were nearly at blows and then like three people stormed out. And I, my quip at the time, which got a laugh to try and defuse was, Jesus Christ, lads, more drama here than Love Island. That's what I said. Felt hilarious. Four people laughed at the eight in the bar. But um, yeah, fucking country drama is this week's story was this the night before you saw the lads not waving at each other on the tractor no this was a week or two (laughs) otherwise that could have been yeah this correlation of a different kind in that story um but yeah fucking hectic anyway back to so rare so pump permission give us three pumps and we are getting tight on time so snappy i'm not gonna interrupt you give me three players people will hear me buying them in the background who are we going for pumps um First up, so I did mention earlier, I'm I'm all in on Southampton and Aza Alkmaar. Uh, my first one is Myron van Brederode. So he got a couple of matches end of last season, really young. He's got a rookie card, John, so if you've not bought him already, now's the time. Um, Carlson's off. I do not expect Carlson to be there Uh come the end of the transfer window and Umbrella is the ready-made replacement for him on the left wing. He's a really, really good winger. He also took sets last year when Carlson and Reinders went on the pitch. So I I'm I've got high hopes for this lad. Um I'm I'm you know Gakpo, if you look at how Gakpo scored and you know in Eredivisie, having sets was really, really key to his output. So you know Tiajani Reinders has gone to Milan. Jesper Carlson's looking like he'll be out the door soon as well. Um, you know, you got Van Brederode and Sven Minyans were the two players that took sets when those guys weren't on the pitch. So, yeah, I'm really, really thinking that he could be uh, a great, great player this year for the under-23s. You know, great fixtures in the Eredivisie, also in Conference League in midweek. If they qualify for that, then, you know, he could have some potential smasher spots where he can he can score very well. I love the look of it. Myron Van B-R-E-D-E-R-O-D-E. People always ask me that. Myron Van Brederode. I'm going with. Lovely. Well, I'm going to test your spelling next one as well. Is uh, Hienen Dewsbury Hall of Oh, Leicester. should we know him? We do. We do. But can everyone spell him? That's the question. He should, Kiernan, be, should be all right. K-I-E-R-N-A-N. And you will find him on Sora Data when you search Done. him with just his Done. first name. Is he the, is he the only Kiernan? That's the question. Uh, was there a Kieran? Oh, no, we've got Tini. Kieran and Tini as well? Kieran. Kieran. No, uh, there's, there's none other come up in Sower Data, so Kieran will get you Dewsbury Hall. Done. There we go. Um, Dewsbury Hall's dropped down the division with Leicester. It's looking very, very likely to stay. What I really like about Leicester is the new manager who was assistant to Pep last year, Kaikorenzo Maresca. 
Um, he switched up the formation. Uh, Dewsbury Hall has a really, really nice role within this team. He's given a lot of license to get forward. He's sort of operating almost like a second striker. He's kind of playing the role that De Bruyne plays for Man City. Um, that's that's what he is being asked to do in this in this setup at Leicester. He's already grabbed himself a couple of goals in preseason, and I think last time I checked, it's like 0.1 for a rare. So he's he's at a decent price, and you think of the amount of fixtures that that Leicester are going to get in the Championship. I just think that he's a really, really solid pick, and I'm quite excited to see what he can do this year. I like it. Yep, Leicester were absolutely grim last season, and he still managed about ten points of AA when he started. So, like, yeah, add a few goals yeah. to that. He's got an AA game. Bit more yeah, dominant. Add goals to that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the last one's a bit more of a long shot. You know, you gave me under 23, you know, not a good value and then extra. The extra is Sam Adozi. So this is me leaning into under 23s this year. Um, he's a Man City Academy prospect. Uh, he joined Southampton, not this year, last year for 8 million euros. A lot of players. He, he kind of had a few games last year like you know for a midfielder who plays the left winger he's got some decent AA like in the games where he started he, there's you know examples of when he's been able to put up over 20 points AA in the Premier League oh. the, the bet on him is players ahead of him in the pecking order leaving you know he, he played really well for England in the 20s in the under 20 World Cup in a pretty much identical role that he will be playing for Southampton you look at who's ahead of him in the pecking order at the moment. There's players like Kamal Dean Suleimana who are on the way out. Uh, I think they're linked to Lille and Nice, so I fully expect them to be gone within the week or so. Nathan Teller, who is now rumoured to be having a medical and joining Burnley for about 15 million. It's really opening up a spot for Adozi to step into. He's a really, really promising young player. Um, in terms of like player comparisons, he is a similar type of player to Phil Foden. Um, so, you know, he's very good on the ball. He's a very, very good dribbler. And I think that he's got a chance of playing that sort of left winger inside forward that is going to be uh, sort of key to Russell Martin's system. So he, he also scored, if you watch out, have a look at the assist that he grabbed in Southampton's last preseason friendly, because that was special. So, yeah, he's um, a bit more of a long shot. He's not got you know as clear a path as say Van Bredrode does but I think the path will open up for him in the next week or so based on transfer rumors I'm just having a look there so I got lucky and won oh, he's not a rookie is he bastard I do see yeah I don't think so no he's not I would have loved him to be a rookie you know just for the the bonus mm. like it's it's not a lot but I have Salisu who hasn't played a lot in preseason. I think he had an injury towards the end of the season but like and I haven't mm. even looked him up maybe he's linked with moves or whatever but yeah Salisu, Salisu there, you know, if I was to get a dozy as a wee rookie card, then you'd be starting to think about um, Bazunu or something. I don't know. I was, I thought I was onto the start of something there, but we'll leave that for another time for me to do in my free time. Um, yeah. But I think they're great. Come on, great join the Southampton stackers. Yeah, I like it. I do. I love the idea of having, because I've, I've kind of fluked in this, not fluked, is it fluked? Kind of is. A few like championship cards now. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. I've got him. Oh, he might be there. Um, I'm trying to think who off the top of my bat, but I I know I definitely have a few. If I go on to Solar, if I go to League current team or League maybe, yeah, starts next. It starts next weekend. So if you if you've got a couple, it might be worth thinking about a team you can form around them. Football Championship. I don't know. Zion Fleming's there. I don't know. I I definitely have a few. Luke Thomas is one, and whatever else. But um, mm. anyway, moving on to the next bit. What would you? What feature would you add to Solar? So we're research and development, we call this. Okay, okay. So I'll tell you why this has come to my mind. Uh, in the last week, I've been very, very keen to add Nathaniel Phillips Super Rare to my gallery. There's about nine Nathaniel Phillips Super Rares, and the type of money that I was offering for him meant that I couldn't go and offer Everyone. I had to offer one, wait for them to reply, offer the next one, wait for them to reply. So I was thinking about what's the what's the flip side to that? Like, you know, could I go to a player's page and say, you know what, I am happy paying 0.35 ETH for a Nat Phillips Super Rare. Yeah. 
And then that alerts all of the managers, sort of it, it acts as an offer that is open for any manager who owns that player, kind of like an order book, you know? Yeah. So you could say, you know, you'll want to buy Kimmich, right? You know, a lot of people might not list Kimmich because of lift or play, but they might be interested in selling Kimmich for the right price, yeah. but they're not going to list it. You know, you can't go and send two ETH to every single manager that's listed, that's listed, you know, Kimmich in the last two, two months, hoping that they might sell. But if you could go to the Kimmich page and say, look, you know what? Standing offer two ETH for Joshua Kimmich. This offer is live for 12 hours, uh, for 12 hours or one day, seven days. So like follow the same structure as like if you're submitting an offer to a manager, but you're, you're submitting an offer to a player and it gives any manager that has that player an opportunity to close the loop on that and make the sale. Would it work the same on the sales side? Well, that kind of market is the market, isn't it? We already have. Yeah, that. the market is the market. This is more about the buyers. It's more about yeah, like yeah, yeah. stating stating your intention to buy. It would so you could it would also as well, like it would massively. It would lock up ETH. Yeah, it would lock up ETH like you would if you were sending an offer to an individual manager. But it gives you the opportunity to you know almost understand where the you know the, the appetite to sell is because yeah. you know I like I said I've been trying to build a collection of championship super rares. A lot of them there are only a handful of cards. I can't offer to everyone, um, you know, but, you know, sort of testing the water. Um, yeah, kind of like an open-ended offer for a specific player. I love it. I love it. I think liquidity-wise it would be insane for the platform. So I love it. Um, you get my... My dog program. loves it as well, apparently. My dog just came in. You, might see me. you can't see him. He's a wee bit shorter, maybe. Yeah. Where is it? He's, he's here. He's just below my hand now. There's his nose. Mm. His nose is on screen. Maybe not your screen though, Taggers, but everyone at home could have just seen a little dog yeah. nose. Um, at least I know I'm not rubbing one out because <laughs> it looks like I am at the minute. <laughs> not my, not the easiest one, one ever, but we'll get there. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Over we go to some questions. Uh, we're getting towards that time. So a couple of questions. Cap, cop, out we go. Um, okay. The most liked question I'll ask first is you're at a bar hitting on some chick when her boyfriend and four of his buddies see and start trying to fight you. Suddenly a genie appears and allows you to choose four so rare managers to help fight off the angry boyfriend and his not so merry men. Who are you choosing? So what four so rare managers do you want to scrap with? It's hard because you might not have met any of them in real life. No, I was going to say I've not met any of them in real life. And then you got to wonder, like, are people's barks worse than their bite? Because everyone everyone gets up and at it yeah. on the old... Uh, Discord. on the old comments i did actually reply to to haber on twitter asking is the objective to win the fight or could i like sacrifice four managers i don't like and make an escape <laughs> you can go with that if you want um, <laughs> that'd be more controversial um i think i know chani goes to the gym a lot but i imagine Chani's yeah. also very nice and andrew laird falls into that bracket goes to the gym mm. a lot but very nice too nice, too nice for a scrap, you know. Quinny's from Glasgow, isn't he? Yeah, but Quinny's too nice. <laughs> just, just, just profiling there. <laughs> yeah, from yeah, Glasgow, yeah. likes a fight. <laughs> um, poor Quinny, who's been absolutely trash. He's not had a chance to defend himself. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Like honestly, I've not met, I've not met anyone, so I wouldn't know who's who's handy. I think a lot of people are handy behind the keyboard and handy with their mouth, but I'm not sure how many are going to be handy with their fists. That's the question. Yeah, you do meet some people in real life, and like, oh my god, you're taller than I expected. I forget how I felt that with though, because it was really last July, last time I properly met people. But there's some people who are like, oh, you're you're hench or you're you're a big boy. Um, but I don't know. That's an interesting one. How I tall definitely... do you think I am? Do I give a tall energy? I think we've around? talked about this before because I know you're like six foot seven or something weird. <laughs> Aren't uh, yeah, six six nine. Six nine. I didn't know yeah. it was that big. You don't need anyone yeah. in your team. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I'm just nine. gonna start. I'm just gonna start flailing and hoping for the best. You know? Fucking hell! Well, you're pick number one. You're draft pick number one. Um, I'm trying to think if anyone else. I know Hoodwink. Used to to work in a gym and you know met Hoodwink and he's he's some arms on him so and Marco Sullivan he deadlifts a lot, um so he goes to the gym a lot when he's traveling I see those. Um, do you want big lifters or do you want people that are going to just be scrappy and like? Well, we're very little to go off here, don't we? It's not yeah. like I know who's scrappy. I don't know who's twisted. I don't know who'd be like. Mm. I don't. I, you want people in your team who are going to bite their nose off, like, you know, people who are going <laughs> to, you know, 
Let your mates go to prison so you can win a fight. Anyway, moving on. Question from um, Sam Tai says, do you ever refer to yourself as the professor? No. No. Jay Fraz. Ended, ended that one quickly. Yeah, no. Jay Fraz wants to know, would you consider Sora to be mainstream or do you feel that there's still a significant step to take to get it to that global status? If not, what does Sora need to do to get to that level? I actually think the Fiat Wallet and enabling mates to play with each other in bars, yeah. simplifying the game, they're doing that really well. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're mainstream. No, I don't. I don't think they are. Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot a lot needs to be done to get it mainstream. I think the Fiat Wallet helps because of the just general market perception of NFTs. Um, you know, 90% of the NFT market is very, very different to so rare. And mm. that gives a negative impression for people that, you know, don't want to get involved in NFTs. Like, you know, if you think about it, like the, the, the sort of example I think about is, you know, Apple... Like blockchain is the technology that Sora runs on, but the game is what we want to play. Yeah. And you think about Apple, you know, when Apple were marketing, I remember the very early days of Apple gaining market share, Apple were talking about how their product made you feel, like how the product fitted in with your lifestyle. They weren't talking about what RAM the phone had, like most other providers. You know, Samsung were like, oh, but we've got better RAM and a, you know, higher megapixel camera. And, you know, they, they talked all about the technology and people just frankly didn't give a fuck. They wanted to like a cool phone that made them feel good. And I think that that the sort of the evolution that needs to happen is because, you know, mainstream, like people don't care about crypto or they have worse they have a negative perception of it mm. so i think the fiat wallet really really helps with that um i think you know so it could do you know significantly more marketing and you know i know i think we talked about this before but like content around onboarding you know yeah content that helps people understand how they're playing the game you know how do people fall in love with it um so yeah i think a, a lot a lot to a lot to do but i think steps are steps in the right direction Yep, I agree. I'll leave it at that and go on to the next question. Um, Sir Monkey, now that we've had a few options for spending soul coins, what value do you put on them? I personally value XP, XP above signed shirts. So I've now got seven academy teams, and I imagine I'll get as many physio slots as I can afford too. But with the signed shirts costing £100 plus, it's easier to, to assign monetary value to a soul coin, to a soul coin too. Have you thought about this? No, speaking truthfully, like the, the sign shirts sold out so quickly, I just didn't really get that engaged with it. Yeah. Like, I got one because I, um, I'm John Nellis, so, but I can't yeah, show it. Yeah, you had a secret millionaire only link, right? Yeah, but if I show yeah. it on camera, people will be annoyed, so I've just pretended I didn't get it, but it's sat okay. over there. What did you get? I actually didn't, but I did get a Fulham non signed oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah, I saw the Fulham non signed one. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I do think it's. I think it is interesting because the thing with signed shirts is obviously if you get a Man United one, it's worth more than a Fulham one, or whatever. So mm -hmm. you could average that out and see like, okay, these cost X amount of coins. How much are they worth? And I mean, like, what's a Fulham Premier League shirt worth now? I've no idea. It cost me about like ten thousand coins. So you could kind of start to work out a value, but if you can't sell them, or they're worth, does it matter? Yeah. Um, if you can't like cash them out for fate. Does it matter what they're worth? It's more of what is worth to you or maybe it, do it does matter yeah. because if with your xp you're going to win x amount more you're going to finish seven positions mm -hmm. higher and get a reward worth x amount more that, that's a heavy question with a lot of maths behind it is it i might have needed a week to prepare for that one yeah but it is it's it's interesting i'll be interested to see what sort of stuff they launch towards the start of the new season um mm -hmm. we'll see what's coming on the market on the club shop right one more question then we'll we'll see who your picks are for this week marco sullivan given how the european season's about to start what changes have you made if any you've already answered that um in fact you've already answered the whole question mark thanks for the questions i just started to answer ask it because you always submit them and they're good um so our journey says it's the pinnacle of nerd fame when you're publicly labeled a so rare expert do you like being a nerd I embrace being a nerd you have to. It's, it's what I am. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Don't fuck with me. You know, yeah. I'm all about it. I'm also a Lord of the Rings fan. So, so, yeah. so you know how to use an axe. So I should have picked you in the fighting question. 
kind of Gimli-esque as well in my stature. So, um, all right, last one. Last, last one. The So Rare Fox, the under-23 breakout star for the for next season that no one's talking about. We've already pumped. Is there anyone else you want to throw into the pump? You've got given a buy a ball because someone asked for one in a question, but you have given us a few, I, to be fair. I have, I have. I'm trying to think now. Competition eligibility, let's see who I've bought recently. Who are you trying so to sell? <laughs> no, no, not who I'm trying to sell. I'm trying to think about who, I'm, who I've bought. Oh, okay, I've got one. I've got one. Uh, Rodrigo Zalazar. Zalazar. This guy was at Schalke last season. Bear in mind, Schalke were shite and got relegated from the Bundesliga. The guy still got a 52L15. He had some peaks, couple of scores over 80. Like, he is solid. And he's just gone to Braga in Portugal, who are one of Portugal's best teams and they are not licensed. So I think Zalazar is a is a sneaky little differential because there's only about 50 cards of the guy. Um and he's going to play a, you know attacking midfielder number 10 for um one of the best teams in Portugal who are also in midweek action. So yeah, I think he's a bit of a sleeper pick for under 23s. I like it. I love it actually. I might go and buy one. Um the last thing we do on the show each week is the Cap Cup. So you get to pick three players who you think will outperform their cap by the most this weekend. Last week, Tom Mitchum picked Palumbi, Zinkowski and Hausch, and he scored minus 21. They did not do very well at all. It's not our worst ever score, though. Simply Alex got a minus 44. So, yeah, sorry, Alex. Just shitting on you there for no real reason. Techers, who are we picking? <laughs> uh, straight in. All right, three picks. Uh, Theo Bongonda. Uh, number 48, uh, sorry, L15 of 48. He was at Cadiz last season. He's gone to Spartak Moscow, came off the bench, grabbed himself an assist last week. Uh, number two, uh, Martin Dardai, who is likely to start for the relegated Hertha Berlin. He is a left-back, left-centre-back. He's got an L15 of 31, which I'm, I'm kind of, you know, expecting a bit of a sizable jump on that from him. Uh, last but not least is Yusuf Baji, who now has got a permanent transfer to Charleroi in um, Belgium. They've got a cracking fixture to open their campaign this weekend, and he's playing. He's been playing as a number ten. He's a forward card, but he's been playing as a number ten in a couple of the preseason games recently. So, yeah, I'm backing Baji and Bongonda to get a decisive, and Dardai to step on the pitch and and you know get more than negative four AA to uh to, to outdo his cap. I love it. Brilliant. Well look, that's us. Just over an hour there. They can find you at prof underscore techers on Twitter. You do some YouTube content too. Look up Professor Tecker So Rare. Um and I imagine you'll be the top guy there. If you're not, we need to talk about your SEO. Um but anything else? To do. No. Right. Been a pleasure. Thank you for so much. Thanks for listening everyone. Leave a like Drop a comment, subscribe, leave a review, all that stuff. See you soon. Bye-bye.